It's the Code St. Luke Telephone Broadcasting Service and Podcast for Monday, October 19, 2020. On today's episode 145, Kathy Diamond is here with her book review. The book she's chosen this week is The Plague by Albert Camus. This novel, uh, which is called La Peste in French, was published in June 1947, and it's uh, widely believed to be Camus' second uh, best novel, his first being L'Étranger. As Cathy explains, the story takes place in uh, French Algeria, and there is a plague, a type of, I believe, bubonic plague uh, going on. And uh, this book has gotten uh, quite popular this year. A lot of more people are reading it because of the uh, pandemic we're going through. And so I guess it's resonating with people. Well, Kathy will explain all this and take you through it. Here is Kathy Diamond. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Kathy Diamond of the Eleanor London Cote St. Luke Public Library. Back again with a short book talk or somewhat short book talk, to replace our formerly in-person Monday morning monthly book club meeting. We all look forward to being able to get together again in person, but until that's possible, we'll meet this way over the telephone. The book that I've chosen to speak about today is called The Plague, La Peste by French author Albert Camus. I, as I'm sure many of you, had read this book years ago. I read it as part of my French existential writers period, never thinking that I would be rereading it while living through a time similar to that described in Camus' best-selling 1947 book. I guess me and most everyone else I know. In an article that was published this past May, when we were closer to the beginning of the coronavirus outbreak, British reviewer Samuel Earle wrote, Sometimes we turn to novels to make sense of our world, and sometimes to escape it. Yet in hard times, we often ask them, the novels, to do both at once to make sense of our world, all the better to help us escape it. The boom in book sales that has accompanied the global spread of the coronavirus reflects, at least in part, this dual yearning. Amid all the new books bought and read, fiction has seen the greatest rise, and some genres of fiction more than others specifically those stories that relate to our present moment, tales of epidemics, apocalypses, and the end of the world. And if you look at the titles that book clubs are doing, because I was just looking through them out of curiosity, many book clubs, of course, are doing The Plague. Another um, several book clubs are doing a book by Daniel Defoe, you know, of Robinson Crusoe frame, fame called The Year of the Plague that was written in the 17th century, as well as other books. In fact, Emma Donoghue has a new novel, the Canadian writer Emma Donoghue, that also has plague-related themes. So this plague literature has become very popular. 
One book that has established itself as the, the undisputed pick of the pandemic lit pack is Albert Camus' The Plague. Since late January, this book, The Plague by Camus, which was first published in French in 1947, has become a global sensation. It seems that it is the novel for now. In the UK, in, in, on, in Britain, the sales of the English translation have been up more than, I don't know, a thousand percent. In Japan, more copies of the plague sold in March than in the past 31 years combined. And at least one bookshop there had to ration copies to one per person. People were panic buying the plague, as absurd as it seems. Imagine toilet paper and paper towels and copies of the plague. Publishers, of course, never ones to let a good crisis go to waste, have been rushing out with reprints because, you know, how many times would they have had to reprint the plague over the years? Well, all of a sudden now, lots of times. The book is set in a town called Oran in Algeria during the early 1940s. In fact, in the book it's written, this book is set in the town of Oran in 1904 and then a dash. So it doesn't give a specific date, at least Camus doesn't. And his novel tells the story of a town beset by an epidemic and locked off from the world. And then the interesting, the difference in this book is that it's only one particular town that to which the plague comes and that has to be set apart from the rest of the world. In the case of our present situation, it's the whole world that is going through this. So there's a difference between the book that Camus wrote in the 1940s and what we're living through now. It was The book was published, so 1947 was the aftermath of the Second World War, and it was often read as an allegory for fascism. But now, reading it in 2020, during COVID-19 times, the story can strike us readers, us modern-day readers, in a more literal light, not an allegory about fascism or the Nazi occupation of France or of Europe. Here, it could be more literal in that the infectious disease is no longer representing Nazi occupation, as it did for many of its first readers, imagine you're reading it in 1947, then yes, naturally, that's what it could represent, but simply another infectious disease, of which there have been many throughout the history of mankind. And we are all, as the chorus might go, residents of Camus' town of Oran. The book's renewed popularity has prompted much excited commentary. La Peste shows us how to behave in a pandemic, a recent article in the Times of London declared. The Daily Telegraph in Britain published something called the Albert Camus Guide to Surviving a Pandemic. According to the Wall Street Journal, Camus' plague foretold coronavirus, although how, I don't know, but anyways... While the New York Times treated us, its readers, to an article entitled Camus on the Coronavirus. But nowhere has the novel's resurgence been more exalted than in France. 
the home country, well, actually Camus was born in Algeria, but he was a French citizen, um, where it has sometimes seen, seemed in recent months as if La Peste, the book, is in itself a vaccine. Reading the book there in France is not just a recommendation among intellectuals, but an order. One author wrote in Le Figaro, France's leading conservative daily, you must reread The Plague. Can the book The Plague protect us during a pandemic? Well, during the Spanish Civil War, volunteer fighters found that a book had to be at least 350 pages thick in order to stop a bullet. In that sense, the plague may be, it may not do the same thing because it is only 279 pages in its original French. But as the world now wages war against an invisible enemy, these words are in quotes because when you read articles, these are the terms that keep coming up when we're talking about coronaviruses, we're waging a war against an invisible enemy. There is a similar sense that something within its pages might keep us safe, or if not safe, at least perhaps sane. And perhaps in the absence yet of an actual vaccine, prescriptions of the book The Plague aren't far away. In January of 1941, the 28-year-old French writer, journalist, and philosopher Albert Camus began work on a novel about a virus that spreads uncontrollably from animals to humans. In the case of the book, it's rats. In the case of our novel coronavirus, it seems that it's it was bats in the city of Wuhan in China. In any case, this virus ends up destroying half of the population of a representative modern town. The book was written, is written in sparse, haunting prose. It takes us through a catastrophic outbreak of a contagious disease in the lightly fictionalized town of Oran on the Algerian coast as seen through the eyes of the novel's hero, a Dr. Rieu, who is a version of the author Camus himself. And the epigram of the book is a quote, this is what Camus uses at the, before he begins his book, a quote from Daniel Defoe's The Journal of a Plague Year. And what's this quote? It reads as follows. It is as reasonable to represent one kind of imprisonment by another as it is to represent anything that really exists by that which exists not. So it seems as if he's telling, Camus is telling us that this book could be considered a metaphor for whatever something else. As the novel opens, an air of eerie normality reigns. Oran is an ordinary town, writes Camus, nothing more than a French prefecture on the coast of Algeria. 
the inhabitants lead busy, money-centered, and denatured lives. And Camus is very critical in his opening pages that the inhabitants are are very obsessed with things material. Um, and that they don't have any appreciation of beauty. In fact, he describes the town as being very ugly because it doesn't have trees and it doesn't have rustling um, of the wings of birds, and he finds it very unappealing. As he writes, how to conjure up a picture, for instance, of a town without pigeons, without any trees or gardens, where you never hear the beat of wings or the rustle of leaves, a thoroughly negative place in short. That's that's what he writes when he introduces the town of Oran on the first page of the book. The inhabitants barely notice that they are alive. And then, with the pacing of a thriller, the horror begins. Dr. Ryu comes across a dead rat. And anyone who studied this book in a literature class will remember that opening sentence. I should be reading it in French, but I'm not lazy and read it in translation. But the opening sentence of the, the second chapter of the book is, when leaving his surgery on the morning of April 16th, Dr. Bernard Rieu felt something soft under his foot. It was a dead rat lying in the middle of the landing. On the spur of the moment, he kicked it to one side and without giving it further a further thought, continued on his way downstairs. Only when he was stepping out onto the street did it occur to him that a dead rat had no business to be on his landing. And he turned back to ask the concierge of the building to see to its removal. It was not until he noticed old Monsieur Michel's reaction to the news that he realized the peculiar nature of his discovery. Personally, he had thought the presence of the dead rat rather odd, no more than that. The concierge, however, was genuinely outraged. On one point, he was categorical. There weren't no rats here. In vain, the doctor assured him that there was a rat, presumably dead, on the second floor landing. But Monsieur Michel's conviction was not to be shaken. There weren't no rats in the building, he repeated. So someone must have brought this one from the outside. Someone, some youngster trying to be funny, most likely. But then that evening, when Dr. Rieu was standing on the entrance, feeling for the latchkey in his pocket, before starting up the stairs to his apartment, he saw a big rat coming toward him from the dark end of the passage. It moved uncertainly, and its fur was sopping wet. The animal stopped and seemed to be trying to get its balance, moving forward again toward the doctor, halted again, then spun around on itself with a little squeal and fell on its side, and it died. And so the story begins. And really, as, as you know, with the pacing of a thriller, one dead rat and then another, and then soon the town is overrun with the mysterious deaths of thousands of rats who stumble out of their hiding place in a daze, let out a drop of blood from their noses and expire. It's a horrific scene. And I remember this from like 40 whatever years ago when I read the book, how awful this scene was. The inhabitants accuse the authorities of not acting fast enough to deal with this disgusting problem of the rats. But they think nothing more of it. This is just something very disgusting. These rats are coming out and they're dying. And this is awful. And the authorities should deal with this and clean this up and get rid of this problem. So finally, they figure out how to remove the rats and the town heaves a sigh of relief. This problem is over. 
But Dr. Rieu, who is, turns out, is the narrator of the story, he's, he's, it's through his eyes that we hear that the story is told. He suspects that this is not the end of the problem. Why? Because he's an educated man. He's a doctor. He has read enough about the structure of plagues and transmissions from animals to humans to know that something is afoot. Soon an epidemic seizes Oran, the disease transmitting itself from citizen to citizen, spreading panic and horror in every street. Now, in order to write this book, Camus did his research. He immersed himself in the history of plagues. And, you know, it's very interesting because in our time in 2020, the last time, I mean, we've had epidemics and there was SARS and there was MERS and there were different um, different viruses, but we never thought of them really in the sense of plague. Plague seems like almost a biblical word. But really, when you look through history, they were not that uncommon. They happened frequently. There were cholera epidemics. There were bubonic plague, plague epidemics. Not only were they epidemics in biblical times, but there were there were epidemics and plagues 16, 17, 18, you know, 14, 15th century, up until the last major one, I suppose we could say, was the 1918 Spanish flu epidemic. So historically, it's not something that is that rare. But to us, we hadn't had such a large outbreak of something really in about a hundred years. So we could, you know, we got smug in thinking that this could never, would never happen again in our time. But Camus did research. He read books on the Black Death that killed 50 million people in Europe in the 14th century, the Italian plague of 1629 that killed 280,000 people across the plains of Lombardy and the area around Venice, the Great Plague of London in 1665, as well as plagues that continued to ravage cities around Europe. There were also plagues on China's eastern seaboard, many of them during the 18th and 19th century. In fact, in March of 1942, Camus told his fellow writer, André Malraux, that he wanted to understand what plague meant for humanity. And he said, this is 1942, he said to Malraux, you know, it might sound a strange thing to say, but this subject seems like a natural one to me to write about. As one critic says, Camus was not writing about any one plague in particular, nor was this really only a metaphoric tale about the recent Nazi occupation of France when he wrote it in the 1940s. But Camus was drawn to his theme because as a philosopher, and his, one of the names that his philosophy has been given is absurdism, that he, that this idea that life is absurd, because in his other books, he wrote another book called L'Etranger, The Stranger. He wrote a book about the myth of Sisyphus. You know, Sisyphus is that Greek mythological character that pushes this rock up the mountain and then the rock rolls down and then he pushes it up again and his whole life is just pushing this rock up and down, up the mountain and it rolls down. And this is a metaphor for the absurdity of our lives. But Camus felt that we are all, unbeknownst to us, living through a plague, that there is always the possibility that there is a bacteria or a virus that may break out at any time and, and affect us. So 
he, he felt that the actual historical incidents that we call plagues are merely, merely concentrations of a universal precondition. They are dramatic instances of the perpetual rule of these invisible bacilli and viruses. So our exposure to plague is at the heart of Camus' view, this is his philosophical view, that our lives are fundamentally on the edge of what he termed the absurd. That's his, that's his philosophical way of looking at the world, which he puts into the plague. But when more and more infected rats start to die in Oran's street, streets, and as the first human cases emerge, the virus in the plague encounters the same complacency as the coronavirus did in many countries when it first started to become more and more evident a number of months ago. What is it now? Seven, six, seven, eight, nine months ago. The conviction that nothing so anachronistic as plague could ever happen here to us now. It's impossible that it should be the plague, says one of the characters early on in the novel. Everyone knows that it has vanished from the West. Isn't that interesting? This is what Camus wrote in this novel in 1940-whatever. But then the evidence of an epidemic becomes impossible to ignore. And as with our own lives now in COVID lockdown, the people of Oran are closed off from the world, except there, as I said, it's one town. And here, it seems to be everywhere in the world almost, and but yet we are still closed off from each other. We are isolated, for borders are closed. We're told not to move from region to region. We are not supposed to have visitors into our homes. So even though everyone is going through the same thing, we are... We are suffering isolation from each other. Even though the town's cafes, restaurants, and theaters remain open, in contrast to our situation, Camus' account of these new conditions of life, as he writes, is resonant with us reading it now. His characters share our sense of isolation and exile. They struggle with the simultaneous feelings of togetherness, that we're all in this together, yet we're separated. There's mutual suspicion. The person I'm passing in the street, who's not wearing his mask properly, who's coming a little too close to us, is he going to give something to me? There's hope, because we always have to have hope, and there's resignation that this is what we're going through now. The characters in the book are exhausted by the never-endingness of it all. And this is starting to be something that we're feeling as well after having now, what is it, we're in the seventh, lived through seven months of, of COVID isolation here in Montreal. People are getting fed up with it. It's hard to keep all the restrictions and so what are we living through now? We're living through the second wave of, of rising number of cases because people, after a couple of months when it seemed like things were going well, people let down their guards. After all, Camus writes so presciently in, in The Plague, 
there was no reason why the disease should not last more than six months, perhaps a year or even longer. And can you remember at the beginning in, in March, the middle of March, when everything closed down, we thought, oh yeah, the schools will be closed for a couple of weeks. We'll, go, we'll close things down and keep ourselves apart for a couple of weeks and then it'll pass. And here we are in October and it's not going anywhere. Camus describes the long queues in front of the food shops. The whole town seemed like a waiting room, he writes. And he describes how in public, on public transportation, all the passengers turn their backs on one, and in, one another, trying to avoid infection. And soon people lose track of the date, because what difference does it make? What's only is... The only thing that's important is the statistics, how many people are sick, how many people died. That's what's important. The only thing left we've got is statistics, one resident of Oran laments in the book. And the future seems to disappear from view. The plague had swallowed up everything and everyone, Camus writes. Camus' observations are very astute, but they're not necessarily prophetic because he was just aware after having done his research that epidemics and pandemics are part of human history and they often play out in similar ways across time because, as I said, he had immersed himself in history books about the plague before writing his novel. Why did Camus set his story in Oran, in the town of Oran? Well, that's a question that more than any other haunts the novel. Yes, Oran had endured several plagues in its history, in its real actual history, and Algeria, under Fre- which was under French control since 1830, so Algeria was a French colony, was both Camus' home, Camus was born in Algeria, and the setting for much of his fiction. It was a dependable backdrop of sun and sea and ennui, which is this spiritual existential boredom. But the absence, interestingly, of any Arab characters in this novel, combined with not the, the lack of noting that Algeria was under colonial control, can sit easy, sits uneasily with some critics and some readers, especially given the novel's subject. In the guise of a plague, Camus effectively staged a fictional occupation in a country already under a real one. So the country of Algeria was occupied by the country of France, and and then that's the real one. And the fictional one is that the town of Oran in Algeria is occupied by this fictitious plague, which adds another layer to the book. Camus was very well aware of the injustices in the society that he was grew up in, the injustices of capitalist inequality, because I said at the beginning, he criticizes the characters, the people of the town for being very materialistic. They were only interested really in business and in making money. That was what drove their lives. This is 1940. He's writing this. Um, and he also 
he also was very, this affected him personally because he grew up, he was born in Algeria in 1913. He was the child of working class European but French parents. He was first diagnosed, interestingly, too, with tuberculosis at the age of 17. He suffered from, and the T, and TB never left him. His father was killed during the First World War before young Camus ever got to know his father, which was an early, another early lesson in the fragility of life. So is it any wonder that Albert Camus writes the kind of books that he does. He's diagnosed with tuberculosis at age 17. His father was killed in the First World War. So the fragility of life is a very big thing hanging over him and it's, and it, it permeates his writing. And this resulted in a universal condition that he would later term as the absurd. He survived his first bout of tuberculosis, but the disease remained with him. And as he took to writing with newfound urgency, this fragility of life was was very always, as I said, very present and became one of the defining themes of his work. In 1942, he published L'Étranger, The Outsider, then afterwards The Myth of Sisyphus, which was an extended essay on the meaninglessness of life. And when he was living in Oran, he was prevent, he was prevented from fighting in the war, in the Second World War, by his tuberculosis, which he really wanted to do. So in the end, he went to France. He joined the, he fought in the French resistance. He became a, um, a friend of Sartre. Then the two of them afterwards had a falling out. And, um, but there is this sense of exile that perme, that's also very much part of the play, that people are separated from the ones they love. Dr. Rieu, the main character, is separated from his wife, who suffers from TB and who leaves for a sanatorium at the very beginning of the book, and they are never they are never reunited. So Camus, in his own life, had the reverse, because he went to France, and he was unable to return to North Africa because the Allied forces landed there during the Second World War, and he was cut off from his homeland and from his wife. So there's this sense of exile that ripples through the plague, a sense of exile that kind of, you could say, is we're living with today. When the plague was first published, it was an instant hit, selling 100,000 copies in France within the year at a time when books were a luxury. Yet the early critical reception was mixed because it was considered by some to be an exonerating metaphor for Nazism. But other readers also saw in Camus' story that there was a kind of sentimentality that they didn't feel was appropriate. For example, at the at one point in the book, Dr. Rieu, the main character, he says the only way to fight the plague is with decency. Whatever, you know, however you want to interpret that. Eventually, after more than a year, the plague ebbs away. The townspeople celebrate, and it is apparently the end of suffering. Normality can return. But this is not how Camus sees it. Dr. Rieu may have helped to defeat this particular outbreak of the plague, but he, being a wise man, a smart man, one who reads history, knows that there will always be others, other plagues, because that's a part of history. 
Camus writes, Ryu knew that this chronicle could not be a story of definitive victory. It could only be the record of what had to be done and what no doubt would have to be done again against this terror, the plague. As he listened to the cries of joy that rose above the town, Ryu recalled that this joy was always under threat. This is what Camus is writing to at the end of the book. He knew that this happy crowd was unaware of something that one reads in books, which is that the plague bacillus never dies or vanishes entirely, that it remains dormant for dozens of years and waits patiently. Camus speaks to us in this book during our current time period, not because he was a magical seer or prophet who could intimate what the best epidemiologists could not, but, and this is what a writer, and in this case, a writer of fiction can do, because he correctly sized up human nature and knew about a fundamental vulnerability in us as humans that we cannot usually bear to remember things that are not pleasant and difficult to remember. So we put them out of our minds because we have to go on. We have to still live life. We have to have positivity. In the words of one of his characters, Camus knew, as we do not, that everyone has inside himself this plague because no one in the world, no one can ever be immune. And that's what he writes. And this is how he ends the book. So it's um, it's a very interesting read. It's it's really, I think, at least for me, was, was, was fascinating to read during this particular time that we're living through. As I said, I never would have thought that I would be rereading this all these years later during a time when we are living through an actual plague because I still have such clear memories of reading it many, many years ago when it just seemed like something, wow, this was in a book and this was mixed up with Camus' existential and absurdist philosophy. But reading it in 2020 during a COVID era is really something very interesting because it it puts a whole new, you know, it puts a new light on things and it makes us appreciate, I think, the value of reading, the value of reading novels, the value of reading fiction to, okay, in this case, perhaps it's not escapist because it's writing about something that we're going through, but to shed some light and to, it gives definitely food for thought and um, is, is a book that has, as I said, a newfound resonance for anybody who read it many years ago. Try reading it if you're, you're able to get your hands on a copy of the book. And the translation that I have was considered to be one of the best translations. It was translated the following year by a translator whose name is Stuart Gilbert. And this trend, this issue, the copy that I have was copyrighted in 1948. So the book was translated a year after it came out in the French into English. 
Um, so that's it for this afternoon. Thank you very much for listening. And may we all see a speedy end to our current plague. And may we all be able to get together at the Cote St. Luke Public Library on Monday morning, back without any physical distancing to our Monday morning book club. Thank you very much and keep well, everyone. Bye-bye. Well, that is today's episode of the Cote St. Luke Telephone Broadcasting Service and Podcast. Thank you to our guests and thank you to you for listening today. My name is Daryl Levine. We launched this uh, podcast and uh, telephone broadcasting service at the end of March 2020. Of course, we had uh, closed our doors at that point. Uh, People could not come anymore to the library to uh, listen to interesting talks and so on. And this was a way of getting the content to you. Uh, One of the things that we did was uh, set up a telephone number that people could call into every day at 2 p.m. so they could listen to this if they either didn't have a computer or maybe they weren't comfortable using a computer. Uh, And of course, we also later distributed this show through the regular podcast channels that people uh, who listen to podcasts are familiar with. And maybe that's how you're listening to us today. So thanks for listening. Be well, stay safe, and we'll see you soon.